From the virtual newsroom of Impact Alpha, this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, August 28th. I'm Monique Aiken. Today, I'm joined by Jessica Rose of the Democracy Collaborative, who co-authored a piece in Impact Alpha this week about equitable employee ownership. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Monique. And we'll hear from some of this week's agents of impact, pro basketball players. But first, here's what you need to know from this week in Impact Investing. Venture investing in agriculture and food tech in India reached a half a billion dollars last year. It was only 14 million five years ago. The impact investor Omnivore laid out eight tech trends driving agri-food in India's huge market. By 2030, India's 1.4 billion people will spend 1.6 trillion a year on food. There were some interesting deals around the world. In Malaysia, the solar developer Leader Energy raised 62 million with a green sukuk that is compatible with Islamic law. In Japan, the real estate developer Hulik floated a 94 million green bond and included penalties for itself if it missed environmental targets. And in California, Checkerspot raised 36 million for its algae-based materials that can substitute for petroleum products. The business of sending cash back home is heating up. World Remit, backed by Leapfrog Investments and others, acquired a competitor, Sendwave, for $500 million to give it a bigger presence in East and West Africa. And in a provocative post on Impact Alpha, Pacific Community Ventures Bobo Gupta and Blended Values Jed Emerson called on impact investors to provide reparative capital to close racial and economic gaps widened by COVID. Their call to action? raise the capital and ambitions for community development finance institutions, or CDFIs. Subscribers to The Brief got these stories in their inbox this week. You can read more at impactalpha.com. So Jessica, thanks for joining me today. It's a pleasure, Monique, to be with you. So let's get started from the beginning. How and why did you start working on employee ownership initiatives? So I am currently directing the employee ownership portfolio at the Democracy Collaborative, looking at ways to increase employee ownership of businesses in the United States as part of creating a more just economy. My commitment to doing work like this that touches on economic justice issues really comes from a personal experience of poverty. I'm a high school dropout and was a teenage runaway and um, really... Uh, got to experience briefly what it was like to live on the economic margins in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and just real quick to, to define what we're talking about when we talk about employee ownership. What I mean when I say that is we're talking about when workers own the companies that they work for uh, through one of several existing well-developed vehicles like worker cooperatives or employee stock ownership plans. Mm-hmm. Um, and as owners of the business, they not only earn a wage, but they participate in profit sharing. Um, and in some companies, they have a role in governance and decision making. Um, so worker ownership can be partial or total, majority or minority, uh, democratic or participatory or not. But all along the spectrum, um, it's demonstrated and it's significant. So how do you measure these justice-driven outcomes that you talked about? So the data on employee-owned firms is really pretty compelling and pretty conclusive. Um, For years, uh, we've known and researchers have documented that employee ownership um, helps companies be more productive, um, helps workers build greater wealth. But Mm -hmm. the most persuasive piece of data came out 
just about two years ago in a study by the National Center for Employee Ownership funded by Kellogg. Um, and this study looked at the impact of employee ownership, particularly on vulnerable workers, mm-hmm. low-income workers, workers of color. And the study compared workers in the age group 28 to 34 with their peers at traditionally owned firms. And what they found was really astounding. The workers at these employee-owned firms had 92% higher household net worth, 33% higher wages, I know, 50% greater job stability than their peers at firms with traditional ownership structures. And for workers of color, uh, there were similar benefits, 79% greater net household worth, 30% higher income from wages, and on and on. Um, And so you know, that's in a company that that has, you know, maybe it's not it's not a green tech. It's not it's not producing, mm-hmm. you know, products or services that are particularly impact focused just by baking a different ownership structure into uh, the structure of the firm itself. You're producing uh, dramatically different um, outcomes for workers. So what's going to take the employee ownership model to the next level and what's the role for impact investors? I believe if it's done right, capital could be the missing agent that finally takes employee ownership to scale. I mean, we've got all the right conditions. The pipeline for businesses coming to the market is promising with the silver tsunami. The tax incentives and technical assistance infrastructure are largely in place due to these decades of work. Public awareness and enthusiasm are rising. Um, What's needed now uh, is growth in the supply side of employee ownership investing vehicles that deliver real value for investors, but also avoid abuses and and maximize employee benefit. And those are going to come from demand. And I think the demand that we need to see from impact investors, you know, it's at that beginning of the innovation curve stage. A developing market like this, um, it needs support to find its place in a competitive market. Um, And at the start, the support often comes from philanthropy or public support or concessionary capital. And then later, as the field begins to scale, support can come, you know, in other ways like, uh, you know, that lower risk for investors, loan guarantees, you know, to point capital in a beneficial direction. Um, But we really think that, um, you know, with that little bit of of catalyst, um, employee ownership could be the next big focus area in impact investing. You know, what I'd really love is if employee share ownership and employee firm ownership could be reimagined as just part of the socially responsible business and impact investing movement more broadly. We have all sorts of tools, you know, industry tools and robust impact measurement frameworks. Um, You can incorporate as a as a beneficial purpose corporation. There, There are so many ways to express a social mission. Um, in the operations uh, or, or the, the, the market-facing elements of a business. Um, but we think that the, the missing lever of impact is, is in ownership and, and, uh, and, and, and that that would really complete the picture of, of socially responsible businesses. So I'm hoping employee ownership gets absorbed into this broader movement that, um, that we admire so much. Thank you so much, Jessica, for joining us here at Impact Alpha today, and we look forward to seeing where your work takes you. Thank you so much, Monique. Now let's meet this week's Agents of Impact. The sports world made a big statement against racial injustice last night. NBA players refused to play tonight. Across the world of professional sports yesterday, led by the NBA and the Milwaukee Bucks, who refused to take... For a country in need of leadership, the young, mostly black men and women of the NBA and WNBA are providing plenty of it. 
The Milwaukee Bucks play just 40 miles north of Kenosha, Wisconsin, where police shot Jacob Blake seven times in the back. The bottom-up wildcat strike spread quickly to the WNBA, as well as baseball, soccer, and tennis. Here's the Bucks' Sterling Brown. The past four months have shed a light on the ongoing racial injustices facing our African-American communities. Despite the overwhelming plea for change, there has been no action. So our focus today cannot be on basketball. The women of the WNBA have been beating the drum for social justice since the summer of 2016, well before Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed took a knee during the national anthem. Here's Ariel Atkins of the Washington Mystics on this week's strike. And it was important for us to collectively come up with something that we feel would make a very bold statement. And a lot of people are like, oh, you'll be silenced. We black women, we used to people trying to tell us to shut up. We don't care. We here. We're going to say what we got to say. We're going to say how we feel. Former NBA star Chris Webber spoke in support of the players. If not now, when? If not during a pandemic <laughs> and countless lives being lost, if not now, when? We understand it's not going to end. But that does not mean, young men, that you don't do anything. Don't listen to these people telling you don't do anything because it's not going to end right away. You are starting something for the next generation and the next generation to take over. Do you have to be smart? Yes. For more, check out our post on Instagram at Impact Alpha. That's going to do it for your Impact Briefing this week. You can read all of these stories at impactalpha.com. Subscribers receive the brief and full access to Impact Alpha, including subscriber-only Agent of Impact calls. Go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and use code BRIEFING100 for $100 off. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Jessica Rose and our producer, Isaac Silk. I'm Monique Aiken, VP of Programs at Mission Investors Exchange. Make sure you check back next week for the latest impact investing news.